This is Modern Woman. Find us at modernwoman.co for further info. Today I'm in conversation with a very interesting woman called Perla Diana. Perla is a female activist, the founder and chairman of Diana Group, and also best-selling author of the book Saving the World. Lovely to meet you, Perla. Lovely to meet you, Rosie. Thank you. Um, so I've been reading your backstory which is really really um, fascinating and it sounds as though you've had quite a challenging childhood. Um, tell us about that, where did you grow up and what was life like? I grew up in Italy in Padua and um, it was uh, really challenging because my family was very conservative and uh, very patriarchal, especially my father uh, had that idea of the man who is the breadwinner and he's the one who makes all the decisions and uh, he has to decide on everything. And if, if I wasn't agreeing with him, it was violent with me. So it was really, really bad for me, especially when I was a child, because you know, defending yourself is really hard when you're a child. That's why I, I really, really help a lot now charities uh, who are helping children and girls because I, I think we need to do more for them because now that I'm an adult and I'm empowered uh, I know I can defend myself and I feel very very good I feel free because you know being empowered gives you freedom to make all the decisions that you want but when I was a child I really struggled so it was really really painful for me but anyway that I think was good for me because it gave me on the other side it gave me the strength and the um, it made me have this decision to really, really uh, fight for women's rights and for children's rights. And was your father always like that, when always violent when you was growing up? Or was there a time in your childhood where you realised, you know, things started and you, you realised it wasn't right? Uh, he, he stopped uh, um, around when I was uh, a teenager, um, but still continuing being violent psychologically, but he stopped being physically violent when I told him I will call this uh, number for you know um, violence against children and I will denounce you. So this really, really, uh, I think impressed him. The fact that uh, everyone could understand who he was in reality, because his image outside the family was the image of a professor, well-known, well-educated, who uh, um, was a gentleman, immaculate, you know, everyone thought he was like uh, an incredible father, an amazing husband, you know, so all the superlative adjective that you can find, that this was the reputation of my father. That it sounds incredible, but this is a reality. That's why domestic violence for me, it's, sub it's really, really something unacceptable, but it's really, really, um, it's happening, you know, so much around us. We don't know that, but it's there because it's so easy to fake, you know, your reputation, but in, inside your family, you can't. So we needed to expose, and that's why I think transparent, being transparent, uh, the same thing that the Me Too movement is doing now, you know, against abuse, you know, against women, is really important. Because when men feel this pressure of the public opinion and of their reputation being completely destroyed, then they start thinking, maybe I have to change, I can't do whatever I want. Well, they say, don't they, you know, you never know what's actually going on behind closed doors. Um, and I think when you say things like the Me Too campaign, that's really brought it to life and light um, in terms of what is actually happening and how many women have really struggled. And what about your mother? Um, what Did you grow up with your both parents? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I grew up with my um, both parents. Uh, my mother, uh, she couldn't really control my father because he was the the real head of the family. And up on the other hand, when my father um, was in a good mood, it was particularly brilliant and adorable and lovely. And he was saying, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry." He was pretending us, you know, to um, to excuse him to give. He was justifying himself, and so my mother was justifying him. She was like, "He had a bad, you know, childhood, difficult childhood. We have to um, we have to think about him. He's very nervous. He has a lot of responsibilities. He's stressed, you know, by his job. All these excuses." But that's why, growing up, growing up, I understood that there are no excuses, you know, so violence is never admitted. We can't admit violence, not neither, you know, psychological or physical. So I'm actually the opposite of my mother now. And, uh, but I understand I'm from another generation. I grew up in another culture and thank God I'm a citizen of the world. So I travel constantly and I'm not closed, you know, in this oppressive patriarchal culture that is the one that uh, was dominating uh, dominating Italy yeah obviously you grew up in Italy how did you come over to London I come over to London uh, almost six years ago but tra- constantly traveling between Italy and London and now finally I moved to London and I I, I wanted to make this my my home and I love London well we'll hear about your experiences in London in a bit but moving on to your first song um, so simply the best Tina Turner which is an absolute classic tell us why this is uh, resonates with you I love this song because when I listen to that and it's almost uh, every day, every morning, it gives me so much energy. I I really feel I'm the best. (laughs) So it's really good for my self-confidence. And I think everyone should listen to this music. And actually, I'm having a boxing fight in one month and I chose this song to be my song when I will walk to the ring. (laughs) I call you, I need you, my heart's on simply the best um, so you say you've uh, got a boxing fight coming up um, tell us about that that sounds really fa- really fun <laughs> really crazy <laughs> oh my god so um, I accepted because I'm in the committee of this uh, charity ball and it's a float like a butterfly ball for Codwell Children Foundation we are all helping disabled children and and we, we, we're doing not only ball but also a white collar boxing event so we are putting a ring in the middle of this great barroom in the middle of uh, 80 tables with 10 people each 
and we we were looking for boxers and I thought you know we need to give equal opportunity to females as well you know not only men so let's do two uh, you know fights with men and two with women and then my friends were like okay Paula that's a great idea why don't you do that and I was like oh my god <laughs> but you know I always uh, train anyway uh, on Krav Maga I love Krav Maga because it's the best self-defense in the world. It's the one invented uh, by the Israeli uh, army, I mean, one, almost one century ago. And so that's why maybe my friends thought about me. I, I, I'm not really a fighter in the ring, so this will be my first and only time, I tell you. <laughs> but I think it's challenging. And again, I think uh, I can give also an example to other women and tell them, you know, no matter your age, no matter if you're a mother or not, no matter what you do during the day, but you can be strong, you can fight, you can train, you know, you can actually go back to train even harder than when you were in your 20s, you know, there are no limits. This is what I think. The sky is our limit. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so you've got um, quite a significant presence or had significant presence in politics. Um, I take it that was over in Italy with the former prime minister that you work with. Tell us a bit about that. When I was 28, because I just finished my master's degree in institutional relations and uh, before I studied political science. And so it was quite natural. A professor of mine uh, asked me if I wanted to help uh, with the political campaign of Mr. Romano Prodi and I said yes of course and it, it was brilliant I stayed uh, helping this group of people professors for almost five years uh, and it was really really fascinating for me because I was working with the most intelligent uh, men and women at the time and I learned so much and I also discovered that I'm a good entrepreneur actually because we had no almost no money and I had to find uh, um, locations for events uh, organize congresses uh, organize a think tank uh, and even build a school for the Democratic Party when the Democratic Party wasn't even born in Italy uh, and everything that really with few money uh, just checking you know all the costs and making signing really really good deals with uh, our suppliers and I, I still remember one supplier told me Paula you're so good negotiating that I want to hire you please come working for me <laughs> and I was like no it's <laughs> it's not an option <laughs> but it was fun <laughs> Brilliant. So how did you actually get into politics? I mean, you was working with uh, the former Prime Minister, which is Romania Prodi. And how did you, how did you get into, how did that journey start? So I, um, I was always working behind the scenes. I was never um, elected. Uh, they nominated me to, um, to run for, um, as a councillor in my city, Bologna at the time, but it didn't went well. But anyway, it was a good <laughs> journey as well and experience as, as well. And I, I was working as a, as a consultant and then, and then as the director of this think tank for, again, supporting Romano Prodi, even after one because uh, you know you need anyway this intellect you know to, to work for you and gives you ideas and constantly support you especially if you don't have a party uh, supporting you because at the time Romano Prodi was chosen by uh, different parties on, on the left side but he didn't have his party his own party so it was a little bit complicated uh, yeah Italian politics is is really really complicated I think many times maybe people abroad they can't really understand us because uh, even Italians they have difficulties understanding their politicians <laughs> so interesting and would you say um what would you say the difference is between running a business and compared to running a political campaign 
first of all, running your business makes you the boss. So it's a completely, incredibly amazing feeling. And I suggest it to all women, especially because you can be independent and you can be, you know, you, you, you can be free to choose, you know, your time and your schedule, especially if you are a mother and you have kids. And this was my experience, you know, when I, when I was in politics because I had two young children. I had them when I was young. So it was really, uh, you know, I mean, tricky for me um, because when you're working in politics, you have no time. There are meetings uh, in the evening, after dinner, uh, you have to go out, you have to travel a lot, uh, you have to wake up early in the mornings, uh, many times you work also during Saturdays and Sundays, so if you have kids, it's a nightmare. Uh, if you are your own boss and you have your own company, everything is better. <laughs> so you see, as an example, today I can choose to work from home. So I know my daughter, she's coming, you know, from school around 4.30, so I will see her, you know, and my son is here for one day, so I had lunch with him. Everything is... Uh, it's easier if you can choose, you know, uh, about your schedule. And of course, it doesn't mean that you don't work or you work less. Actually, maybe you work more if you work from home. But, you know, you have this freedom. So I, um, I, like, I like to be an entrepreneur. And of course, you have a lot of challenges, a lot of responsibilities. But on the other hand, I think the advantages that you have, they are huge. So I would say go for it to everyone. <laughs> So they, um, moving on to your second song, A Way of Life by Hans Zimmer. Tell us about this one. I love Hans Zimmer in general. I think he's a genius. He's the best songwriter and composer um, of our time, seriously. And A Way of Life is, um, is a beautiful song that is part of The Last Samurai. That is, again, a beautiful theme on martial arts and on samurais. And I'm fascinated about martial arts. As I told you, I do, you know, not only Krav Maga, but also Kung Fu and Muay Thai. And I, I also tried uh, uh, to use the sword, the, the Chinese sword. <laughs> so I'm fascinated by samurais in general and by the culture. So it's very epic, this film. And this music, again, is one of the, the best of all the movies. So you really feel you're going to do a battle. You're going to win this battle no matter what, you know. So it gives you a lot of, uh, I think, uh, yeah, empowerment, definitely. A Way of Life with Hans Zimmer. So, um, moving on to business, uh, you founded the Diana Group. Tell us exactly what this is all about and how you, your first steps into business. So, I founded it uh, 13 years ago now uh, in Rome and, and now I have also 13. the... Con 13, 13, 13, yeah, yeah, sorry. <laughs> 13 would be... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, 13 years ago, and uh, I started uh, almost by chance because I was looking for a British nanny for my kids, basically, because I wanted to raise them bilingual and I couldn't find anything, you know, in Italy. And I found her in London, but I thought, maybe, you know, a lot of Italian mothers maybe need the same service. So I started providing the service and I built a website and I started spreading the word through my inner circle. And immediately I started receiving so many requests that then I, you know, I, I had to hire assistants and consultants and train them. So everything became very natural. And... Again, I started having many clients worldwide because uh, a lot of our clients, they already had multiple residences around the world and then they had friends around the world. So they started calling me from Bahamas uh, or Texas uh, or, you know, Russia. And then I opened in London because this was the place to be, you know, especially because we deal with high net worth individuals. So we provide recruitment for high net worth families. Uh, we provide all the stuff they might need from the chef to the driver to the nanny to the maternity nurse, domestic couple, you name it. We, we can find everything. And then we find also stuff for offices here in London, secretarial staff, like personal assistants, executive assistants, administrators, legal secretaries. And, uh, and at last I founded Sigillus, that is our lifestyle management uh, boutique uh, brand. Because with, through Sigillus we can help these clients, the existing clients of ours, but of course also new ones, to find the best school for their children, to find the Property, especially if they want to relocate in London or really uh, find um, the best that London can offer. So we can help them with private clubs, so we can help them finding the best uh, supercar, organizing amazing trips in Italy, especially because, of course, we are the leaders <laughs> with Italy. So it's, very, it's a big variety of services that we offer. Okay, so that's under the Diana Group, which is pretty much like lifestyle concierge, where you basically work with these high net worth individuals, helping them with their life, whether it be the recruitment side of who they need, the people, persons around them, um, and also the what's the other when you say property was that property and the life stuff like that yeah. which is a separate company so, no, or is it no. all under one group uh, yeah the, the company name is diana group but then uh, we trade uh, under three different brands and the first brand is nanny and butler for recruitment of a uh, child care and household staff the second brand is supreme pa for secretarial staff and executive assistants and personal assistants and the third brand is sigillus and this is the lifestyle management one. Wow, that's really fascinating. So how did you actually start? I mean, did you go into all those different sectors or did you have you built it over the 13 years and, you know, gone into one and then realised actually, you know, one feeds the other so we can create this empire? Yeah, exactly. I, I did, as you said, uh, the second time. So it was very natural, but it was very connected. So I started with Nanny Butler and then Supreme PA and then uh, Sigillus over the, the years. So no rush, because I'm also not concerned about scaling a business uh, in a rush and I don't think only about the quantity and the money I really care about the quality of the service and the quality of the clients and of course my consultants so did you is this your business or do you have you got other business partners thank god I'm the sole owner 
<laughs> so I'm, I'm really happy. It's a family business. I think I will pass a few shares to my kids, of course, because now they are grown up. But I, um, I, I prefer to be alone now because I, I had a bad experience at the very beginning with a friend of mine and I decided, uh, you know, I can do it by myself uh, and I, I prefer to be the only one. So there's a lot to do by yourself. I, I take it you've got a really good team. Yeah, absolutely. Without a good team, I couldn't do anything. Especially in Italy now, because I'm very independent. Uh, I have an amazing, you know, office manager, and also all the team—they're great. They're simply great. They're very independent. They're very committed and motivated. For me, this is the most important thing. I, I really leave uh, my consultants free and independent. Uh, I just check the results. You know, I want to see that they deliver and that they treat clients in a proper way. But for the rest, I'm happy to motivate them. You know, this is the way I deal with my team. And now I want to grow in London. So this is my goal for the next two years. In those early days when it was just, just you know, just being a sole owner, you must have had some really challenging times. Yeah, they were very challenging. First of all, to start because you know I had to quit my job at the time and uh, and it's always you know a jump in the dark you you would say so you really have to be confident in your you know in your strength and say I will do that and be positive you know follow your gut follow your instinct and and I did that and but at the very beginning you have to work very very hard no matter the type of business but you are almost alone so I remember working every night my kids were you know young so I used to stay with them for dinner and then putting them to bed and then finally the house was you know quiet and silent and I could concentrate and I could reply to the emails I could do a lot of job and I used to work up to until one o'clock in the, in the mornings every night so again you have to be very strong to to get where you want to go and yeah I mean uh, of course I had maybe you know difficult times so now I don't really remember exactly which one but you know every client comes so maybe if a client changes mind you know if there is a problem at the very beginning it's always you know like a big challenge but again I think your mindset your positivity and this is something that came natural to me thank god <laughs> it's something that I think really can save you and can really make it so your third song, um, This Is Love, Brian Adams. Tell us about this one. Oh my God, this is the most romantic song ever. <laughs> I, I love it and I'm, I'm very romantic. Uh, I think love, it's, uh, it's the most beautiful emotion we can feel as human beings and really makes the difference between us, you know, and uh, other species, even though I love animals. So <laughs> I think they can love as well. <laughs> And I, um, so I'm, you know, as an entrepreneur, as a businesswoman, I'm very rational, I'm very pragmatic. But on the other side, as a mother, you know, or as a woman, I, I just, you know, let my emotions go. And I think this song really helps you to do So 
Tell us about your family. You mentioned that you had, you got two children, and now obviously you're single mom. So, yeah. So um, I got married early because I was 23, mm. and then I divorced when I was 28 because I realized it, it, it definitely wasn't the right man for me. So I preferred to be, you know, alone because I knew that I could raise my children anyway, and I, instead of living in a, in a prison, you know, because it's, I, I, I think that is beautiful if you can find the person of your life and stay with her or him for the rest of your life. But if you can't, I don't like. Her, to lie, you know, and I don't like uh, these couples that are completely fake because in reality there's no love, there's no respect, you know. I think it's much better, especially for your children, if you give them, you know, uh, I mean, real, real uh, love and, and if you're honest with them, talking about everything. So this is who I am and this is what I did. And again, it was very difficult, especially, you know, when you're 28 and your kids are young and you want to work because I want to work. I want to build my own career. And, um, but I think the love that children gives to you is also make, this makes you stronger. This is very important. That's why I also admire so much mothers and especially single mothers. And I hire them because I think they have something, you know, more because they are struggling more and they have more responsibilities. They suffered more. So they know what is, uh, you know, what does it mean that you have to work, you have to earn, you know, your money. You are responsible for other human beings. It's really, really important for me this. I went through that and I think we should all help them. In fact, when I hear entrepreneurs who don't you know, hire women because they might get pregnant or because they have young children, I'm horrified. I'm simply horrified. And actually, by the way, I didn't mention to you, but I was discriminated as well. Because when I got my bachelor's degree uh, in political science, I had a very good CV and I, s I sent it out to, I think, almost... I don't know, 800 uh, uh, companies, not one replied to me. I didn't have not one interview, can you imagine? That's incredible. And was that sent CVs out over in London or over in Italy? It was in Italy. At the time it was in Italy, I was living in Bologna, and, uh, but, and of course I wrote in my CV because at the time you, you had to write everything, you know, that I, I was divorced and I, I had these two children and I wrote the age. And in Italy it's still like that. Maybe now it's a little bit better, not so much unfortunately from what I hear, but uh, at the time it was zero. So they weren't hiring women with young children. And even friends of mine, they, during the interviews, they were lucky to have the interview not like me but anyway during the interview um, usually the, the HR manager or the boss used to ask them uh, are you engaged? do you want to get married soon? do you want to have children soon? can you imagine? this was a normal and regular questionnaire you know for them you wouldn't be able to ask that now incredible really, yeah, no, I mean, this is, yeah. this is not uh, admittable. I mean, it's impossible. Mm. Also because to men, you never ask these questions. No. Never. No. So unfair. And what, would you say that it's been, it's a struggle being a single mum? Or would you say it has been and it's got easier? It definitely got easier, definitely. And, um, but again, you know, I would do it immediately. I wouldn't think about one second because my kids made me who I am today. And I think actually I could become a successful entrepreneur because of my kids. It's incredible, but I think 
this the challenge and the responsibility that I you know got made me a better human being a better mother a better woman so um, it's all connected and it's all for good I always see the positive side of things as you see <laughs> yeah that's the only way that's the only way so your fourth song uh, nothing's going to stop us now starship this is a lovely song so tell us about this one similar to you know it's got a really lovely feel to it hasn't it <laughs> yeah yeah this is a must I think you know and uh, yeah, I think generations and generations you know of uh, women even men I mean they love it I think it it's a mix you know between a, um, being a romantic but also being strong and showing that really nothing can stop you you know so I think this you could actually do that uh, in every you know part of your life not only talking about love but talking about you know your dreams talking about um, achieving the career that you want you know the, the power that you're looking for the whatever you're looking for I mean you should always think nothing nothing can stop you and nothing can stop us if you're so lucky to have you know to be a couple and, uh, and be, do it together Looking in your eyes I see a paradise This world that I found is too good to be true Standing here beside you Want so much to give you this love in my heart That I'm feeling for you let them say we're crazy I don't care about that Put your hand Starship with nothing's going to stop us now. So, um, talking about women's empowerment, which I know is something that you're really passionate about, or at least I can feel that you're passionate about it. Um, and with, you know, you've you've done a lot. You've been in, had a, a lot to do with politics. You've also business. Your mum, and you know, you fought a lot for yourself. What do you really want to see change? I mean, it's quite a broad question, but let's take Italy for example. What is the what's the difference between sort of women's rights over there compared to here over in the UK so first of all yes my passion in life are women's rights but also my mission in life is this because I need to help women wherever they they are you know even if it's only one or if there are millions I have to this is something I strongly feel I have to do and uh, comparing Italy to the UK, it's a huge comparison because Italy is the worst country in the EU for women's rights and for female employment. They are now destroying our countries, these actual politicians. Every day I open the newspaper, I'm horrified. I just read this morning that they are allowing uh, people to buy uh, weapons and guns and they don't have to um, declare it inside the family. So you know why this is very bad for women? I tell you because in Italy we have the higher femicide rate in all Europe. A femicide is killing a woman because she's a woman. And in Italy the majority of these women they're killed by their ex-husband ex-boyfriend even when they're 20 years old that's in incredible 
sometimes the father for these honor killings because we not only have you know Italians or like this but we are now also having all these immigrants you know from Pakistan or Albania and many times they act like this so we have you know our women that just struggling in many million different ways and now this man they could have also the guns inside the house without declaring it to the women so i, I I'm, I'm sure that domestic violence and femicides will raise and this is just one thing but then we have a million other things that are not working in italy because we have no visibility so women they not they have no power and no visibility the, this government especially is very misogynistic incredibly misogynistic because all the nominees that they are doing they're going to men like uh, if they have 40 top you know roles in um, in top companies uh, or in parties or in ministers whatever they are they only give them to men it's insane so we're going backwards in italy that's really scary actually so in terms of these femicides that you talk about um i take it that you know are they put are they put in the press do we know about them? Are they put in the news? Or is it literally happening and no one knows about it? No, uh, thank God now they're talking about that. So um, they are in the news, they are in the newspapers and TVs, but unfortunately people, they are starting to get used to them. And also the way journalists, they write about them, for me, it's not the right way. First of all, they, you usually put the picture of the two of them together when they were happy. Can you imagine? This is disgraceful, I think. You know, thinking about the victim. She has to be pictured there in the newspaper, in the magazine, smiling with her boyfriend who just killed her, with the husband who just killed her. This is insane. Show, you know, her picture alone, please. You know, and show the killer and writing killer, you know, behind. And all the times there is something like, oh, you know, but he was a good guy. Oh, the neighbors just say that he was peaceful. He wasn't violent. All these stupid you know, interviews through the neighbors, please just don't do them, you know. Or maybe many times they're like, like it, it was like, um, you know, a rush, something completely rational, uh, you know, that, that uh, he did just once like this. This is... Yeah, but this is completely unacceptable again because, you know, I'm studying actually psychology and the anatomy of violence and I felt in my own skin, you know, when a man is violent, is is always violent. There are always signals, even before, but these women, maybe they can't read the signals or they feel ashamed to talk about the signals, you know, so, but I'm sure that these women for maybe 20 years, they lived with a violent man doing violent things to them, you know, maybe psychologically violent or even controlling their bank account, you know, controlling the time they come home, controlling how they spend the morning, controlling how they're cleaning the house, you know, how they're cooking, everything can be violent, you know. So the way also journalists uh, talk about this, for me, is disgraceful. In Italy, there's so much to do. There's so much to do. And how do you see this changing? Again, I think it's changing uh, in worst. I don't see the light in Italy so far. The only good thing now is that we are talking about that and that the public opinion is raising the bar. So now women in Italy, especially women in the north, 
especially with the ones in Milan, because Milan is a cosmopolitan city. It looks like more like London now. They're doing a little bit more in order to stop this. But there's so much to do, so we can't really, really give up. And that's why I actually write my books. That's why I published my book in Italy two years ago. And that's why the next book uh, I will write, and I'm doing research now, it will be all focused on domestic violence and femicides, because I want to talk about these things, not only to Italy, but to the world. And especially if we can raise the bar of the public opinion abroad, uh, talking about this, what's happening in Italy, I'm sure that uh, Italians will finally start, you know, changing even more. Even our politicians, you know, will understand that they can't ignore this problem because what they're doing now is ignoring the problem. So you mentioned your book, Saving the World. Um, Is this for you one way to basically try and empower other women and try and create a shift and a change in what's happening? Exactly. I really want to empower our women. In fact, uh, the most beautiful messages that I received after I published my book uh, on social media, because I'm, you know, present in all of them, they were from these women who told me, Paola, thank you, your book really changed my life. They were like, you know, I was in a challenging period of my life, I had to make a lot of decisions and I chose to go for my dreams, go for my career, you know, so this really opened my heart because it's so important and and every time I go and I talk about my book, uh, you can't believe how many times when I finish you know, they come to you to say, you know, compliments, uh, thank you for sharing your story. And all these women, they open up with me and they tell me, you know what, my husband is violent with me. You know what, my father was violent with me. My father was violent, uh, um, the father of my mother was violent with her all the time. It's so incredible, it's so common. Yeah. Yeah, no, I totally know what you mean. And I think it's a comfort when one person speaks up, you know, it opens it up and other people feel like they can talk to, you know, and uh, it's it's quite special, really. Yeah. It really is. Okay, so your fifth and last song, um, which is Hearts of Fire by John Gafferty. Uh, tell us about this one. I love this song because, first of all, I think my heart is on fire as well. <laughs> Yeah, that's why I love, I think, martial arts. And this is a song that I I listen every day because I train every day and every day it really gives me that special energy that I need to go and start running and then do my shadow boxing and everything. Gafferty. So what does the future bring, Paola? A lot of incredible things. <laughs> I, um, I actually want to start uh, studying again 
yeah, I think in maybe two years' time, uh, I will go back to university. I would love to start studying neuroscience because I'm fascinated by science. And that's why I'm already, you know, reading a lot of books on this, this subject when I have time, of course, because time is the thing that, I, <laughs> you know, I'm lacking the most, yeah. But again, you know, I am very positive. I see a lot of opportunities. I want to give more and more of my time to writing my books and, and speak about uh, women's rights and women empowerment. Uh, so, and of course, my company, uh, it will keep growing. But again, thank also to my team, you know. I think I, I'm very, you know, um, multifaceted person. So I have to do a lot of different things in order to feel good and, uh, and give back. This is the most important thing, I think. Give back to the society and have a meaningful life. And lastly, what would you say is your life motto? Life motto. My life motto is the never give up. And I think we'll leave it there. It's been absolutely brilliant chatting with you. Is there anything you'd like to add, Paola? Thank you. It's an honor for me to be interviewed seriously and to share my life and my dreams and my story. I would love to say to everyone, just keep dreaming and believing your dreams and dream big.